Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of January 2011. I always start off the first few minutes by advising people to go into, especially the newcomers, go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and help yourself to the audios which are there for free download. There's hundreds of them where I try to give you what's happening behind the scenes, what's always happened behind the scenes, because real government is behind the scenes and it's above the governments that you think that you elect. We're directed like a big business plan towards a particular goal. And, of course, they've got goals to reach after that once they've changed society enough. They're going to the next level of changing it again for the next society. And that's how they run the world. So help yourself to the audios. And remember, all those sites listed on the com site have uh, the audios for download. If you find sticking, try these alternate sites there. And you can also get transcripts in English of a lot of the talks, too, on all of the sites for print up. If you want them in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu, which is also listed on the com site, and take your pick of the variety offered. And remember, too, that you are the audience who bring me to you. Unlike all the other hosts, I don't bring on the guests who sell you products after terrifying you. And um, I just try and get the, a lot of information out in one single hour. So it's up to you to keep me going. That ads you hear on this show are paid by advertisers directly to RBN. I don't know who they are. I've got nothing to do with them. But they pay for the airtime for the show and the staff and equipment and the broadcast and the bills of RBN, which are quite substantial. So it's up to you to help me keep going by buying the books and discs and so on I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase these with a, a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order. You can use um, uh, PayPal to order. Just use the donation button, follow it with an email with your name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Some people just send cash. And across the rest of the world, same thing. You've got, uh, you can't use personal checks for the rest of the world, just only from the U.S. to Canada. But you can use uh, Western Union for direct wire transfer or go cheaper and get a check, which you send, you post off, from MoneyGram, that's cheaper still. Some people use PayPal again to order or donate. Remember, too, donations would be appreciated, really. Uh, Believe you me, they'd be appreciated. Thousands and thousands listen. Everyone follows, but no one gets back to you with a few pennies, or very few do. It's always the same if you. So help me out, and believe you me, I'll help out your understanding of this big New World Order. I've been following it for a long, long, long time. And I don't spin anything for you. I don't blame any particular front group that's out there to take the heat. And there are some put out there to take the heat because the world is run by fronts. So purchase the the books and nidus and donate. And hopefully I can keep taking over for a little while longer as we go into the greatest transformation for the whole planet that's ever seen before. And it truly is a a new thing altogether. It isn't just a, a rehash of ancient systems. It's a, a worldwide socialist 
system that's being rammed down everyone's throats right now. Talked about in the 1700s with a lot of books that came out. And then again, capped by Karl Marx, who talked about trading blocks with free trade and so on in a socialistic way of ruling over the people. But, you know, the better types ruling them, that's what socialism is, those who decide that they're better than everyone else. And uh, democracy can be used by them, the term can be used by them as a front, because they don't believe in democracy. They believe they must run the weak and the lesser and the dim-witted with an authoritarian type of system. And that's exactly what's coming in right now, as people have never been entertained as they are today, with so much to entertain them, like going down this Disneyland into horror. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. As I said before, we're going through the greatest changes of all. Changes that were talked about thousands of years ago even by Plato and, and he tried to think about how they'd devise, you know, the superior type would devise the perfect society and give it this proper strata of intellect at the top and a descending scale to the workers at the bottom, which they'd breed and interbreed for the perfect size and shape for the particular job they'd actually do. So this has been the, the, the ongoing thing for thousands of years and has had many, many names down through the centuries. And we tend to refer to them as totalitarian regimes. But this one is it's much slicker, you see, because it disguises itself with so many different titles and names. And it's got a better propaganda uh, me- mechanism in place to, to help disguise them as to what they're really up to. But it's the same old thing of uh, those who believe that the world was left imperfect and it's their job to perfect it. Uh, And if that means, you know, bashing in square pegs into a round hole, they're going to do it one way or another. And I mean that too, it's going to be brutal. And above this too are the scientific elites, because as Russell and others who belong to the different groups at the top uh, mentioned uh, a scientific dictatorship was preferable, he said, to any other type of dictatorship. And of course, we have the Club of Rome, that's the bigger think tank for the United Nations, and the United Nations is, is simply a front, too, to push through this global socialist type of agenda, and it's not democratic by any means at all. The beauty of it is, though, it can confuse people by pretending that it is democratic. They use the terms willy-nilly. Uh, they don't believe in democracy, and yet they use it when they're talking to the public because the people have been brainwashed to believe in democracy. So whenever they say that this is to spread democracy, just like George Bush when he went into the Middle East, and it was, he, was, he called it revolutionary democracy. That was one term he used uh, to force people to be democratic by blowing them up and stuff like that, you see. Again, back to the square pegs and round holes. And um, this group, the Greenies and all that, were pushed and promoted and funded and created by the big foundations from the beginning. And you have to go into even the history of the Green Party to see where a lot of the socialists came from. Uh, Madeleine Albright, I think it was her father or grandfather, was the best pal of Stalin. And um, that's, he was the one who came out and eventually created the Green Party to take over the systems of the West when they amalgamated, which they knew they were going to do. And so did a lot of the U.S. senators. 
and congressmen because they had the Rees Commission where they were told that's exactly what would happen down the road, a world socialist system. And again, people at the bottom who follow socialism really think it's going to be a nice thing, a very vague idea of it. Most of what they think at the bottom really is vague. They're, they walk around semi-hypnotized all day long. Very few people are ever really aware of what's ever really going on, and they don't even think to question. The mainstream news is good enough for them, and as long as no one's sticking a pin in them and getting them to howl, they're quite happy as the changes are made. They're not howling yet. They are in some places, mind you, and but um, elsewhere they're, they're not uh, so far. But it's going to, it's to go into every area of your life, your very existence. It isn't just a matter of being forced into the socialist schools and going through it and getting your little quality approval stamp. That's your leaving certificate. That means you're dumb enough now to work in your system and pay them taxes. It's beyond that. It's, it's an ongoing, right through your whole life, uh, system of inspections for everything and tests for everything to make sure that you're okay as far as you fit all the criteria of the perfect citizen. If not, you'll go off for reconditioning. And that that is all going to come with communitarianism being pushed as the worldwide way to go. And the U.S. are slicker still, of course, because they've got an even better and more perfected propaganda arm. And uh, they stick it in there under different guises, different names again, and uh, then they have a vast falling, of course, in the West Coast. It's strange that in North America, when you look at Canada and the U.S., all the all the greenies and the New Agers and, and the socialists all head for the, where it's warmer. Uh, I think they learned from from Hitler. Remember, Hitler too wasn't a socialist. Uh, he he made the mistake going into the Russia and getting frozen to death. So I think the greenies learned their lesson. And so they always head for where it's warmer and they can get lots of dope so they can channel their power spirits and stuff uh, that, that give them authority over the lesser types, and that's all of you out there. But anyway, getting back to tonight, the East Coast, the West Coast, this is this is happening in Canada. Canada's really slick at what they do. They announce very little to the public. They just go ahead and do things, and you find out from local newspapers and as, as to what's going on. But they are doing the same kind of thing in Britain. It's hard to get, uh, you'll notice it's a de, uh, it's a decentralized power, as they call it. All they're really doing is not telling you what they're up to, uh, unless you get it stuck into a local paper when uh, your local communitarian thing actually works or your cop smashed down your door. It's a wonderful world we're going into now. There's a place in BC called Mission, and it says a mission homeowners fined $5,200 for growing cucumbers. No kidding. For growing cucumbers. And of course, the, this guy's planning a class action lawsuit over municipal grow operation inspections. They're doing grow operation inspections to see now if you're growing marijuana in your basement. Which is such a joke because they've, they've got Vancouver there and they've got a port and everything comes through there. It was the same with Edinburgh and Scotland when it became the AIDS capital of the world because they're all using dirty needles. But all, all the heroin was coming in through the port system because there's so many people from India now living there. They arranged all the, 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 the importations of the stuff, you know. And big boys know what they're doing. That's why they bring them in en masse. This is all the, the takedown agenda. 
So anyway, it says Len Grato on his property admission on Saturday. It says um, he's ready to join an imminent class action lawsuit against Mission, that's the township, for hitting him with a $5,200 grow-up inspection fee. So even when they find nothing, you're still going to pay. This is inspection fee, $5,200, right? The 67-year-old says he and his wife are growing cucumbers in the basement. He never grew pot, and he and many other Mission residents are being unfairly searched and fined. It says... Um, he lived 30 years with his wife in their mission home, and he's ready to join the, the, the lawsuit. A number of citizens led by mission man Stacy Goenlock uh, will allege their homes were illegally searched for pot grow-ups, and they were slapped with fees and repair orders costing upwards of $10,000, all unquestionable evidence. And what are they using? It's what they were using years ago. They, everybody with a uniform now or a little badge is a spy. And it's supposed to spy on people's electrical use, you see. Now with smart meters, it's easier too. And if they claim they're using too much, uh, in come the guys, they smash your doors and windows in, and then they hand you a bill for their, for their having to come in and smash down your doors and windows and ransack your place. There's democracy for you. It says, um, he was searched in 2009 and hit with thousands in fees, repair orders, despite never growing pot in his home. And his lawyer's filing a civil lawsuit within days. And I hope he gets off with it because this is disgusting when you have Stasi police smashing down your doors. And you have no, and it, you know, the sad thing is too, there's no shortage of these Stasi police. Uh, a whole generation grown up who've seen that power resides in the black uniforms with, with the big guns and, and people cowering on the floor with their hands on their heads. I mean, that's what you have. That they were created uh, for this purpose, by the way. Because these games were meant for the, for the military only. Why do you think they gave them to young children? Because they wanted a generation that would go off to wars and smash in the homes of people around them and do what they're told with glee, with absolute glee. But uh, astonishing, you've got to pay for it all, and you've got to pay for the so-called, so-called inspection, which is more of a demolition job. And then they test it for a mold to see if you've been... Well, if you're growing cucumbers or anything in your basement, and even without it growing anything, you're going to have mold anyway. That's just the way it is. So that's what's happening in Great Freedom, the Great Freedom of Canada. As I always said, there's a lot of dirt under that pristine snow. An awful lot more than the public will ever know, in fact. And I, I, back in 98, I, I was on a radio show and I, I talked about rationing will come. And I said the same thing again on the nights of uh, September 11th, 2001. And I said that you will see wartime rationing the whole bit. I even went through the fact that when I was young, um, I and, and just studying motor cars and automobiles growing up, I thought, you know, they haven't improved this, this darn machine at all, apart from the styles and all the rest of it. Same, same engine. And it struck me that with everything else, leaping ahead exponentially, why didn't the car? And I knew that eventually the cars would be phased off the road. You got a temporary reprieve after World War II, up until the 70s and then 80s, then they started jacking up the prices for gas and so on. And now you're heading towards the Clean Energy Act and all that stuff. And, and of course, Agenda 21, where only um, essential vehicles only will be on the roads. It also ties in with uh, what's to happen with those in, living in rural areas. Heavy, heavy fees. If you, can, if you can manage them, you may last a bit longer in the country. If not, 
you have to pack up and move into the overcrowded cities. So this article here says, report calls for energy rationing, rationing within the decade. So it's like all wartime stuff that give you rationing. And this is from Britain. Uh, fuel and energy rationing will be needed before 2020, according to a new parliamentary report that is proposing uh, proposing a system to make sure people have fair and equal access. I love how they, they, they whitewash it over by fair and equal as, as they're going to hammer the poor even now. Hackney in England, the one third of the residents outside London, they, they can't afford to heat themselves this winter. So they're going to get hit with this stuff. And by the way, this is just the carbon tax under the and this guise of, of energy. This is well helping the government meet its 80% carbon emission reduction by 2050. Have any of you ever been given a form or questionnaire to fill in and ask uh, what you think of this? Should they go ahead or not? Of course you weren't. It was only the non-governmental organizations funded by the foundations that get to go to these world meetings where they stamp this uh, nonsense upon your forehead. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, just going through this wonderful disguised horror uh, that's uh, set for the whole world, using Britain, of course, as a flagship. It's always been flagged and flogged to death uh, long before the rest get it. But it will come everybody's way because they want personal carbon credits, you see, and carbon bills and all the rest of it. It's to make sure that you live the proper way, the way that your masters, you know, the control freak socialists, just decide you should live. And it says here that... Um, the Lean Economy Connection report entitled Tradable Energy Quotas was commissioned by the all-party parliamentary group, it sounds like some sort of minstrel show, doesn't it, on peak oil, and concludes that the value of carbon savings now warrants use of tradable energy quotas. It proposes that all adults should receive energy credits in the rationing system. See, they've all got you trained with little cards for your stores and everything, getting point systems and all that. Uh, this is all part of it, getting you trained in advance, and people think they're getting something for nothing until they're in debt. And, of course, they'll, they'll get hammered with uh, carbon uh, bills, etc. The UK Industry Task Force and Peak Oil and Energy Security has already said peak oil may be reached by 2015. I can remember when they said in 1970-odd it was peaked by that, that time and caused a big panic. Peak oil is a point when global oil production is at its highest and future production will have to plateau or reduce. How the rationing system would work using the TEQ system would, listen how they word this, eh? would guarantee people had equal access to energy. You're all dependent, it gets piped in. And they would be able to sell additional credits if they had more than necessary. That means if you're, you put 10,000 pullovers on and, and, and uh, pretend that you're living in the, the Bahamas in the wintertime. Businesses would bid weekly for energy units, which would also generate money to fund the system. Unlike a carbon taxing system, uh, it would not charge for their emissions, so would not have to pay more money in an economy that's already strained. And what they do is give you wee points, you see, if you buy green and all that rubbish, because I've gone through the articles where all the stuff that even the EPA uh, uh, go through, they detest nothing, they just pass it for their buddies, because it's all done by lobbyists, and there are no better items than the standard ones. You just pay more cash for it. But, I mean, it's a racket, you see, and its real intent is to 
do what socialists have always wanted to do, is bring down the population and create rationing on every front. That's food. That's everything. And, and now down to your heating itself, you see. One day you'll live just like the West Coast Indians live in big lodges and you have communal eating areas where you all go in and, and eat together because it will save energy, you understand, you see. And they'll cram maybe 20 of you to uh, a big 30-foot room and um, that'll be where you'll live and sleep just like they did in the Soviet Union. And it's a wonderful system of economy. Of course, the ones who are running your lives won't live like that. They can't live like that. They've got people to see and, and, and important people to see, and they've got to entertain them in the proper uh, environment to understand. It's got to be warm, too. So anyway, emission reduction goals. It's unlikely that emission reduction goals will be met if the TEQs aren't used, according to the report. The TEQ is the kind of approach we need if we're able to mobilize the infrastructure for a zero-carbon future fast. Zero-carbon, we'd all be dead. So would all life on the planet be dead, you understand, for zero-carbon. It would increase the chances of working our way through the grim times of renaissance through resilience. Jeremy Leggett, chairman of the Solar Century, added, (laughs) I bet he's got lots of government funds going into his private businesses. And anyway... That's part of it there, and again from the government too, uh, and in the time as well, times, I've, I've got it this, the same thing. And here's how they word it for the public, you know, the, the half-conscious public. Brits ponder fuel rationing. Like the, the Brits are really, right this minute, the people in Britain are pondering uh, the thought of fuel rationing. You see, yeah. You know something, the last thing on their mind, because very few of them will even know what's going, what's going on with all the entertainment and everything. It says here, the last time, and here's a, this is how they're really going to introduce it. The last time, and I, I said they would under a wartime scenario. The last time the British government instituted a substantial rationing program was 1940. The Nazis had spread out across Europe and the continent was mobilizing for all-out war. The rationing program, which lasted until 1954, had a profound effect on the collective consciousness. I should just stop at collective because that's what we are, right? The consciousness of the British public. What collective consciousness? And is largely remembered not as a time of deprivation, but of plucky courage, solidarity and fortitude in the face of a dangerous adversary. So could rationing work again? So here we are waving the flag, this tattered old flag, you know, that doesn't even stand for what people think it stands for. But anyway, it says, today I attended the, uh, the launch of a report commissioned by the British Parliament that called for the rationing of fuel to help meet the government's carbon emission targets and prepare for future fossil fuel scarcity. They keep, they keep calling it fossil fuel. The report calls for an electronic trading system for energy quotas. Such a system is a long way from becoming law, but it raises an interesting debate about how to mobilize a population around the fight to slow climate change. What, they want static weather or something? I mean, I mean, how do you get static weather? Huh? I mean, the, the climate, and, and I used to get weather reports, is because the weather is always changing. But it's a, it's a con, of course, as we all know. It's a con and an excuse. Here's how a fuel rationing program in Britain would work. Under this system, energy credits called TEQs, tradable energy quotas, would be distributed free to citizens. That's what they did to get it started amongst big businesses and corporations. Citizens could then buy electricity and fuel as normal, but each time they would see their TEQ account discounted. Each TEQ credit worth 
it would be worth one kilogram of CO2. How the heck do you get one kilogram of CO2? So energy brought, uh, bought for renewable sources would discount very few TUQ credits because such energy would have a low amount of emissions associated with it. Fossil. Do you understand this? It's very simple, isn't it? Eh? Would, would deplete TQs very quickly. It means you're going to get hammered with taxis. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We are back and we're cutting through the matrix talking about tradable energy quotas. Since once their TEQ's allotment was depleted, citizens who still wish to use fuel or electricity would have to buy surplus. I guess if you're, if you're, if you're out, you can't get any fuel or electricity. You have to buy surplus TEQ's from people who had TEQ's left over. Guess what? A whole new banking industry with the same characters running your TEQ's. You know that, don't you? Perhaps because they had more energy-efficient homes or had invested in micro-renewable, such as solar power panes for their home, or simply because they chose to live a low-carbon lifestyle, which means you're, you're dirt poor. The scheme would probably involve credit cards having two numbers, one linked to the customer's bank account, oh, that's awful handy, eh? and another to their energy TQ's account. I bet it's all built into your ID card already. Business and governments would bid for energy units at a weekly tender. It's, it's a lot of hot air. It's a lot of nonsense. It's the greatest scam ever dreamed up by, you know, the little gremlins that run the system. This is a report written by the London-based think tank, the Lean Economy Connection, on behalf of the all-party parliamentary group on peak oil, said that by placing an artificial constraint on demand, TQs would help keep fuel prices low, even in times of scarcity. Utter rubbish. It would also guarantee an allotment of fuel to all citizens, even the poor. Well, it's mentioned here, if you chose to live a low-carbon lifestyle, you see, that means poverty. It means you can't afford to, to heat yourself. So I won't, I won't go through the rest of the doublespeak and the rubbish that, that, that I'm reading here, but there's links from this page and from the government one and two, and you can go into that, because America's going to get hit with the same thing, and the British Commonwealth countries like Canada will follow very, very quickly in its heel, on its heels always do, you see, because we've never had real independence, and, um, and, and most independence is a joke anyway in these, this day and age, there's no doubt about it. So, and that Utah, interestingly enough, Utah, I love this little article here, the way it's written. Utah City, may, I call it the eye in the sky, you know. Utah, the all-seeing eye, of course, City may use a blimp as an anti-crime spy in the sky, it says. And it goes through the, the PR about uh, proposed unmanned floating airship surveillance system being hailed by city officials in, in Ogden, Utah, as one way to fight crime in the neighborhoods. Sure. We believe it will be a deterrent to crime when it's out and about and blah, blah, blah. It says all the guys involved, because they're only kickbacks off this, actually, you see. That's how the real world works. It's the biggest banker is your, your government. They, they dish out all, they tender all the cash out to big businesses. A lot of them are cash grants and gifts. And they get kickbacks for, it's always been this way, folks. It's always been this way. Right down to your local council. Says the airship entails military technology now available to local law enforcement. He said, you know, the biggest purchases of military equipment are law enforcement or, or is the law enforcement agency today. The world, I call it the world law enforcement agency because they're all the same. 
Godfrey uh, floated the idea of a dirigible in the skies above Ogden for his city council members last week. The council is expected to vote on the measure in coming weeks. The cost of the blimp is being negotiated, but said it's more cost-effective to operate than helicopters. That means it's awfully, awfully expensive, because it won't tell you the price. We anticipate using it mainly at night. The cameras have incredible night vision to see with tremendous clarity, daytime and nighttime. It will be used like a patrol car, used to go and check things out and keep things safe, said Godfrey. Uh, one person will be able to operate the system, but also function on its own with programming directives. 52 feet long, outfitted with two cameras, and can fly at 40 miles an hour, 400 feet above the city. And then it says here, after all the PR for it, and this, this, everything you read today in the mainstream is public relations, it's propaganda, uh, by guys who are making a, a, a few coins here or there, you understand? And it says... Um, it's been developed by the Utah Center for Aeronautical Innovation and Design at Weber State University. Researchers say the blimp is a helium-filled balloon with a special coating of fabric developed at their center. And then it says it's got, it's got almost no operational cost and minimal maintenance expenses. It says Ogden city officials say it will cost about $100 a month to operate. So they're giving you all the wonderful PR nonsense to make you think this is just another... It's make you think, go back to sleep. You know, this thing looks through your ceiling basically, to see what you're doing and who's doing what. But uh, basically, the, the state has given them the cash to the company to make the darn things uh, in, in a partnership deal. This is, this is uh, developed in partnership with the Utah, Utah State Legislature. So your tax money's making it. And that's why they won't tell you the cost of the thing, because when the tax is footing the bill, believe you me, they go deep, deep, deep into that honeypot. That's how it really works in this wonderful uh, free corrupt system and then you go into this one here too all seeing blimp could be in Afghanistan's uh, could be as Afghanistan's biggest brain and this one too is, is a, it's a huge thing comes followed by a new and extremely powerful supercomputer in Afghanistan it won't be in Dave Petraeus's headquarters in Kabul or at some three letter agency's operations center in Kandahar it'll be floating 20,000 feet above the war zone aboard a giant spy blimp that watches and listens to everything for miles around. Isn't it wonderful to have all... They're watched everything. This is the world they're bringing in, and folk don't care because they're, they're so happy with their entertainment. <laughs> they really are. Most of them out there are quite happy. Yeah, it won't affect me. No, who cares if I'm, phone, I'm getting photographed? It doesn't matter. That's how they are out there, you know. It says, as of now, the airship's freakishly large hull, seven times the size of the Goodyear blimp, has yet to be put together. So, they've got links on that to their drawings and all their wonderful gadgets that will be on it and so on. And it'll probably have a good kill rate as well, no doubt, because they'll, they'll put lots of kind of special stuff to, to vaporize people from it, no doubt, if, uh, if they decide to do so. And then you find Berkeley is set to offer a sex change employee benefits. It's great how politically correct we are these days, eh? We're, we're broke in so many different ways. Supposedly is to make big blimps and all that, and great, greater weaponry, and uh, and then start taxing the folk more with carbon taxes under a, a bunch of guises and, and wonderful sounding names. But they can still um, give you sex changes, and it says... Uh, while other cities are slashing employee benefits, Berkeley is slated to add one more, paying for sex change operations. 
The city council is poised to vote tonight to set aside $20,000 annually for city workers' gender reassignment surgery. So now you get reassigned to a different gender. It sounds very sci-fi, doesn't it? The procedure is not covered by the city's two health insurance providers, Kaiser and HealthNet. We offer all kinds of benefits to our employees. This brings our benefits in line with what's just and fair for the transgender community, said city councilman uh, Daryl Moore, who's originally proposed the idea in 2007. I wonder if he'll be the first person to volunteer for it. Maybe that's why he put it through. Who knows? But anyway, that's the world we're living in today with this madness and craziness as they destroy all that was to bring in all that will be new, you see, in the proper way. God left it all imperfect, they say, in Freemasonry, and their job is to perfect all that that was left imperfect. But the main thing, of course, is to perfect the, you know, the, the little monkeys themselves. That's us lot at the bottom. It's a very elitist organization, if you understand what it's really all about. It's not a self-help club at all, except for the little idiots at the bottom. But as they go up the ladder, they, they, get, they get taught to little cons, and then they start to laugh at getting away with the cons and the, the public never suspecting what they're into. And then they get into the higher clubs and higher clubs and higher clubs. And then, of course, they're, they're raking in carbon credits from the schmucks. It says, fighting pirates with laser cannons. That's what they're going to use now against uh, some of the pirates, supposedly. I never understood this pirate thing. One sub sitting there, they've got the GPS satellites here. They know every little boat that's leaving uh, Somalia from all uh, from its coast. They know where they're coming out from, what they're going to do, and they can't stop them, they're telling us. Why not? Why not stop them? I mean, it's a law of the sea. Someone trying to, to, to rob you or steal your ship or your cargo... Uh, they're fair game for what you want to do to them. Why don't they do that? Why not? So a non-lethal laser to defend against pirate attacks is a phrase you'd expect atop a G.I. Joe cartoon script or in pitch for a video game. This week, however, it cropped up in significantly less fictional content in an announcement from the British defence firm BAE Systems. It successfully tested a bespoke uh, neodymium uh, yttrium aluminium uh, garnet laser is a mouthful, with an accompanying targeting system which claims it could be used as a non-lethal deterrent against pirates, particularly in the treacherous waters off the coast of Somalia. The laser is a non-lethal device aimed at distracting or temporarily disabling pirates if they sail too close to a ship or temporarily blinding them in the case of armed threat. I don't know why if they remake this thing, because, you know, in the 80s, I can remember U.S. Um, Coast Guard, in fact, were going round a trawler from it was the then Soviet Union, and the, the trawler aimed uh, a laser at them, and it, the, both of them were permanently blinded. Permanently blinded. It depends on the, the, the strength and, and the frequency and so on that you put out there. You can either disable temporarily, but mainly it's used for permanent blinding. And so he's a company make, remaking it again, reinventing it, I guess, as they call it. And this stuff eventually will be used on people in the street because you can change the settings and as they've done in, in Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, a lot of stuff has been tested out there because no one cares. There's no tally of the deaths and slaughters, and there's no public inquiries about anything. And um, I've watched videos where a school bus was, had something turned on it, and it, it just demolished those inside of it. It was just like a, a laser whipping across them, and even said that intestines and brains were slapped in on the roof of the bus. Incredible. 
Then another one too, that there were bodies left that were only about four and a half feet long, totally dehydrated and shrunk. And I've got it on my website somewhere in the archives. I might hunt it up for you to see. This stuff will eventually be used in the general populations, and they don't want you to know how far ahead they are with all this wonderful science. See, science is wonderful, they say, it's progress. And, of course, they don't want to show you how far they've progressed, because one day they might have to turn it all on you, and they probably will. When you've run out of carbon credits, and you're freezing to death, and you're on, you're on food rationing too. And, by the way, in this article to do with, with uh, fuel rationing, and using the, the wartime, all it, we're all in it together, let's stand together. This uh, spokeswoman also says um, uh, it worked during wartime and they were far healthier then too when they were also on food rationing so they could bring that into, well, of course they're going to bring that into. Amazing, eh? conology. You use con games to fool the public, whip up hysteria, and then tell you we're all in it together. Isn't that something? And for communitarianism, and this was sent by a guy in one of the local councils in Britain, I'll put up this link to the plain English guide to the localism bill. They're calling it localism. Wonderful names to throw people who are searching off communitarianism, you see. So so localism is another term they're using for it. A plain English guide to the localism bill. I'll put that up as a PDF, and you can peruse that at your leisure as well. It's got a lot of links coming off of it. It's from the government in the UK. It's got a lot of links coming off to other government sites too with other parts. They can't put it all out on this, this darn PEF because they know they don't want folks searching the other links. Most folks won't bother, you see, to find out what else is in the nitty-gritty in the small print, you might say. But I'll put it up to show you what you're in for when you get your new greenies uh, who are all going to be your new Stasi they're unelected little Stasi leaders. What if they give them green swastikas to wear in their armbands like they did in, in Germany? You can see them now. They'll be a lot heavier than you, mind you. You'll be on your rationing, and they'll be going around door to door to, to weigh you and measure you and all the rest of it and interrogate you to see if you've eaten an extra carrot that week or maybe grown a cucumber in your basement like they did in B.C. and then in come the cops. Who knows? And you th- This is like a comedy because that's where we're in today, folks. That's what we're in today, because it's all lies. Everything they tell you about is a lie. Global warming's a lie. All these things are lies for a different agenda. For a, don't fall into arguing the agenda. Get above it to see what the real target is, the real goals, and why it's being used. Not too hard to do. Now, you've out. Out there, you've probably heard about, maybe even seen on the television ads when they come on, and the shyster will come on and you say, for those out there who've got, you know, old and dusty and broken jewelry, then they flash signs of the dollar, they'll send it to them and they'll give you a couple of bucks in return. You know, that old, kind of tarnished looking gold and stuff like that. They're not using and it's maybe a broken clasp on it. And of course, it's all melted down because the price of gold is the price of gold, doesn't matter if it's tarnished or not. But a lot of the idiots don't realize that, and they, they, they see the dollar signs and send off their old, worn, tired, broken jewelry. Well, here's a woman who ran off with her her uh, old, broken jewelry, I guess. Her junk jewelry, they call it. Uh, wife of Tunisian president fled the riot-torn country with one and a half tons of gold. She must be some arms in her, eh? One and a half tons of gold. And it says that should help feed the son-in-law's pet tiger. 
It says the wife of Tunisia's ousted president fled the chaos-stricken country with one and a half tons of gold worth more than £35 million and emerged yesterday, dubbed the Imelda Marcos of the Arab world because of her lavish lifestyle and love of designer clothes. Lila Trabelsky said she have she's demanded the gold last week as President Zini al-Abedin Ben Ali's regime collapsed. The chief of Tunisia's central bank initially refused, but Ben Ali's 74 person intervened and she flew out with the bullion as she joined him in exile in Saudi Arabia. The source of the claim, leading Tunisian economist uh, Monsef uh, Chikuru, said militia men had tried to take more gold. The clan of the former First Lady is widely despised as the ultimate symbol of corruption and excess. They'll just get another one in with more corruption and excess. The former hairdresser, Mrs. Ben Ali, 53, is known for her love of fast cars, and the family had more than 50 luxury homes and frequent shopping trips to Dubai, during which she's said to have spent hundreds of thousands of pounds. While many Tunisians faced unemployment through conditions and oppression from Ben Ali's brutal regime, his family, known as the Mafia in the North African country's capital Tunis, is said to have amassed a £3.5 billion fortune. Much of it's kept in France, where some members of the family were still holed up last night. Why didn't the U.S. invade them, eh? and bring their, their, their democracy, just like they did to you know, Iraq? This an absolute shambles now. And, of course, that's what Brzezinski wanted. He said, if we can get Iraq into a state of constant conflict with different parties fighting forever, that's what we want. That's what they've got. But why do we attack this character, eh? Why not? There's a reason for it. I'll let you figure that out. Now, here's an article here. I don't generally read these articles, but it's, and I'm reading it not for the, for the reason it's purported in the paper. Lobbyist Ashley Turton found dead at home. And it says here, a lobbyist married to a key White House aide was found dead early Monday in her sporty, uh, sport utility vehicle, which was heavily damaged by fire in the garage of the couple's Capitol Hill home. Authorities says the cause of her death was unknown. Ashley W. Turton, 37, an energy company lobbyist, because that's how your government really is. America is just these prunes at the top who are all interrelated to these, these lobbyists raking in the cash and keeping all the schmucks paying taxes. That's what all countries happen to be, folks, under the propaganda. And I'm going to read this when I come back from this break. back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about a White House, uh, a lobbyist married to a White House aide, a very important one, Yeah, found dead by uh, early Monday by her, in a sport uh, utility vehicle. It says here, Ashley W. Turton, 37, an energy company lobbyist and former chief of staff to Rep. Uh, Rosa L. DeLauro, Democrat Connecticut, was found dead shortly before 5 a.m. in the SUV. And it goes into what they found in the, in the the garage. It says, she's a mother of three children, was wife of Daniel A. Turton, 43, the White House's Deputy Director of Legislative Affairs for the House of Representatives. He is President Obama's point man on legislation moving through that body. See, see how they're all intermarried, the lobbyists on the one side, and here's the guy in the government on the other. 
I mean, this is how all governments really, really work. It's nothing to do with democracy or you voting them in. This is, and when it comes to America's interests, it's their interests, believe you me, across the world that matter. Investigators on Monday were trying to determine what happened and so on. It says, um, it, uh, it says, yeah, it happened. It occurred as Turton was leaving home earlier than usual for work, anticipating a busy day in her downtown office. Her employer, Progress Energy, and another North Carolina utilities giant, Duke Energy, announced Monday that Duke is buying Progress for $13 billion in stock. That might be a reason there somewhere involved. Who knows? But, uh, I mean, these things happen at that level of cash, believe you me. So... So we're getting ready to deal with a lot of merger communications issues, said fellow progress lobbyist Michael Sewell. I mean, there's stacks of them. They all live there and often married to congressmen and stuff, with whom Thurton shared a three-person office at 801 Pennsylvania Avenue, Northwest. I was in the office very early, too. And it says, Ashley Thurton was an aide to former congressman Richard A. Gephardt, a Democrat, before serving as Deloro's top staffer and joining progress. Do you understand? It doesn't matter what party they are. They're all in the same big multinational corporate businesses, getting handouts from, from, from the governments and contracts. But your tax money, of course. And war is a great thing for them. And energy is at the top of the list now for massive profits. Massive profits. Daniel Turton worked for Gephardt and the House Rules Committee before moving to the White House. The Turtons were a Washington power couple, well-known in democratic circles. And there's a lot of them well-known in the circles of both parties. And... Um, it says, many of you have worked with both of them during their careers in Capitol Hill. Pete Rose, the interim White House chief of staff, said in an email notifying staff members of Turton's death, they exemplify the definition of public servants. Isn't that wonderful, public servants, as you rake in the cash from the taxpayer and private deals? Eh? We're making every resource available to Dan and his family in his moment of need. So... That's what really comprises government, and that's why you go into all these different countries for these big corporations. And, of course, they're all raking up. We saw what happened in Afghanistan, and they eventually divvied up the oil fields between BP and a few other oil companies, big top oil companies, using, again, the gullible uh, people at the bottom to wear the uniforms and do all the fighting and slaughtering. It's always been that way. Britain's had a massive history of that, beautiful history of that. And uh, a great propaganda arm to indoctrinate the children into a completely fake history of how they're going off to, you know, bring civilization to the natives and stuff like that. But it's always been this con game. And that's what capital cities are. Those that you think that you elect, which you don't really, and the lobbyists that are often married to them, working together. That's what governments are all about. And they have massive PR systems to make sure that you get a completely different teary-eyed vision of flag-waving and national anthems. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>